0: Thank you, musicians. We honour you. Everyone, you may be seated. Good morning, church. What an honour it is to be around the Word. It's not a chore, it's an honour for us all to be here. Um, Before I get started, I just wanted to share um, something to encourage you. Um, So today, the 1st of October, is eight months since we suddenly lost the centrepiece of our family, our mum, Trish Hawkins. Um, And when I come to church... picture mum's arms lifted to Jesus um, as they always were just praising and loving worship and um, I just wanted to thank uh, the church for loving our family and caring for our family Um, through that time we had Uber Eats vouchers and people coming around with groceries and cards and flowers and prayers and text messages and um, funny memes on Instagram. <laughs> um, and we just, we just thank you. There are some incredible people in this church that see a need and meet the need, and we're just are so grateful for that. And for those who knew mum, um, many of you may not have, but for those who did, her birthday's on the 17th of February, and um, her birthday in 2024 is going to be a really special one as it's the precious day that Mark and I are expecting another family member. (laughs) Um, So so I just wanted to share that, not to, you know, speak too much about our own family, but, you know, um, some some things in life don't make sense. And Jesus comes into those situations and and brings hope and... um, who could have chosen out of those 3 hundred sixty five days that that would be the one <laughs> except him so we honor him today so I just wanted to share that to encourage you so we're starting a new series for the month of October which is the discipline life as you know and before we get going let's just take a moment to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us in this time Lord Jesus we just thank you for your redeeming love Lord we thank you Lord that Lord that love Lord we ask you to help us Lord to to action that love, Lord, by being your disciples, Lord, by taking the redemption that you've given each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, you've you've set our feet uh, upon a rock, out of the miry clay, Lord Father, and we ask you to help us, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, to live a disciplined life, Lord, to be your disciples, Lord Jesus, and we just, Lord, this is a new season, Lord, we're coming into spring, Lord physically and metaphorically, Lord, and we ask for things to blossom, Lord, for new, new branches to emerge, Lord, in our lives, Lord, Father, that, that enable us to see you more clearly, to be more like you and to be an example to those around us, Lord, Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the disciplined life, who likes discipline? Mm. <laughs> oh, Annika! Um, so in Hebrews twelve eleven in the message, it says, at the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off big time, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And we're going to look into that today. But you'll be pleased to know we're not going to start off this topic for the month with the rigid set of rules and things that you need to do to get better. Um, The the root of the word discipline is disciple, and that comes from the Latin word disciplus, which means student, follower, or learner. I was um, relieved to know this, and hopefully you are too, that the disciplined life is actually the life that is lived as an apprentice of Jesus, first and foremost. So the disciplined life is the disciple life. The foundation of discipline is being a disciple. And we're going to unpack that. And when we do, we start to ask ourselves some questions. And the first question is, well, it's certainly not, the first question isn't, am I a disciple? It's who or what am I a disciple of? I'm going to repeat that. So the question isn't, am I a disciple? It's who or what am I a disciple of? So I was in Greece recently with my dad and my sisters. And for anyone who grew up in Sunday school, Greece is exactly like the picture books, those, those, those images. It's full of steep, arid mountains, dusty seasides, the occasional cave, including the one on Patmos, where, um, where John wrote Revelation. And um, what struck me is that no wonder Greece had a few financial troubles. Um, their way of life is so relaxed. They stay up late. We had dinner at 9 or 10 o'clock every night. That's about three hours past my bedtime. Um, and some of the people with the longest lifespans on the earth live in the Greek islands. And it's, it really struck me in terms of how much of a contrast it was uh, to Australia where we're all focused on... Well, the, the world around us, society is focused on striving, acquiring, achieving... Um, every organisation I work with, burnout is rife within these organisations. And what struck me about this is that there are norms around us that are so much part of us that we don't even realise that we've made choices, sometimes completely unconsciously, to live in certain ways without even intentionally thinking it through. We can think we're living the godly life but we might just be following all the things around us that people around us strive after. Adopting society's expectations without even realising. See, the thing is, if we are not being intentionally formed by Jesus, we are being unintentionally formed by someone or something else. We're all a disciple of something. We're all being formed. We're all being shaped on a daily basis. All you have to do is wake up and you're being formed. The question is what are you being shaped and formed into how do you shake off these influences to to become more like Jesus and being a disciple and living the disciplined life is counterculture so it's one of those things we need to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves have we adopted certain goals and habits because it's what society expects or are we making choices to live the way that Jesus wants us to live Are we conforming to the world or are we being transformed day by day by Jesus? And I love, actually, we just had Romans 12.1 up there. I'm going to talk about Romans 12.2 in the Amplified. It says, Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. One of the things that strikes me about that verse um, is the fact that it points out that this process of being a disciple and living the the disciplined life is a gradual process. We're being progressively changed, it says. And if being a disciple involves learning, it means we're not going to always get it right. And I think one of the things that uh, we think about with the disciplined life is perfection. And I think when we think about perfection, I think we want to avoid all efforts to to be disciplined because we think we have to be perfect. I'm deeply grateful, personally, that the Bible isn't a collection of sanitised stories of holy people. Instead, it's a collection of stories about people loved by God and made holy through a righteousness outside of themselves. Learning means we rely on the Holy Spirit to help us do better, getting closer to the image of God and progressively changing. Errors are natural. Growth identifies them and learns from them. And it says in Proverbs 18:15, wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. And one thing I'll never forget my mum told me... <laughs> um, was that when, we, when you come to church, you should walk out of that door with one different thing that you've learned. doesn't matter who's speaking. doesn't matter what occurred. You should be opening your mind and listening and taking away what God wants to plant in your heart. Whether it's something that he talks to you about in worship, that can happen too. Um, so this idea of always listening for fresh insights from the Lord. So we've gotten to this point where, you know, when we're thinking about the disciplined life, it's actually more attractive than it seems because it's actually a life of progress. Um, And before we go into some practical um, strategies for living the discipline life, I just want to quickly point out what I think the discipline life is not. So to me, the discipline life is not control, rules, regulation, punishment, trying to force other people to do things through guilt and blame. It's not compliance, enforcement. It's not rigid, boring or doing things the same, always, always the same. The rigidity of rules is not what the disciplined life is all about. Jesus took away the rigidity of the law by giving us the Holy Spirit. So, if the disciplined life is actually, first and foremost, the life of being a disciple, then how can we be apprentices of Jesus? Well, um, the first starting point, I guess, is that most of us (laughs) need to change. And, in fact, most of us need a radical overhaul from the inside out to become more like Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's certainly me. Um, so is transformation actually possible? And I really want to break it down today into some practical things that we can take away and think about, about leading the disciplined life. And we're going to look at four domains. Our stories, our habits, our relationships and our environment. So the first one, our stories. Our stories. So in place of the stories we tell ourselves, we need the Word of God. We all have stories that we believe and listening to teaching from the Word of God and absorbing ourselves in the Word of God helps to counter these stories. And teaching and listening to the Word is not just about about what's right and wrong. It's to give us an alternate vision to help us see the stories and the narratives that we've lived out and how we can walk a path that's the path that He wants for us. Um, and to move forward in that way. And some of these stories can be deeply embedded within us. And for Paul in Romans 12, as you know, it starts off by saying, the first step in transformation and um, the disciplined life is the renewal of our minds. And it's not a one-time act. It's a continual process of discipleship. You know, new seasons of life bring new ways of thinking that we've got to deal with. Um, And new things crop up that we've got to continually, um, continually work on. Dallas Willard says the process of being an apprentice of Jesus is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with images and ideas that filled the mind of Jesus himself. So the first way to live a disciplined life is to replace these stories, images and ideas with the word. That's a a good starting place. And and just one option for doing that is to have um, what I've called a life verse, I know there's probably many people in this this church, many faithful people that have a life verse. And what do I mean by that? It's it's a verse that you find through prayerful consideration that serves as a rallying cry for you to guide you and focus you in the current season of your life or, in fact, your, your whole life. It's a verse to keep you anchored to the truth and it can call you back at precarious times to the things that matter most so the idea is that you find a verse that's personal to you that's full of hope hope-filled verse for the season that you're in whether you need assurance or compassion or hope or humility or perseverance there will be a verse that can rally you and and, and motivate you and help you to drive forward with jesus Anyway, so I thought I'd call somebody who, who has a little bit of experience in this area, so I'll call my grandma and talk to her about this idea of the life verse. And, of course, she went to the King James Version, so I'll read from that. Um, but um, she, her life verse was Psalm 27.1. "'The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid?' you know, commit your life verse to memory, put it in places that count, and, and when you need it, it'll be there. Um, and it, you can change it whenever you need to, but, but it's a way of really focusing on what matters for you and, and how you can um, and focus on that. So in place of the stories, we need the word of God. And one way to do that is through a life verse. So I encourage you if that resonates, go and do some homework and, and you know, don't rush it. Make sure it's one that is personal, that really brings to life what God wants you to hear. So replacing these stories is a good place to start, but it's, we definitely can't finish there because um, we can't unfortunately just think about the word, know it in our head and then turn it into action. <laughs> it's, if that were the case, we could just read a little bit about loving your en- enemy and go, yep, got it, go out the next day, boom, done. Or we could read a little bit about what Jesus says about anxiety and say, yep, I'm not going to to worry for the rest of the week and we'd be fine. But the problem is that knowing something is not the same as doing it and doing it is not the same as wanting to do it. Um, There is a lot of stuff that you and I know that we don't do. So if we want to be disciples of Jesus, we can't just think our way to Christ-likeness. Information transfer alone does not yield transformation. The way of Jesus is a way. It's not just a set of ideas, it's a way of life. And it's almost like that twofold ministry. You know, Jesus wanted to redeem us um, and to give everyone the the, um, option of redemption. And then he wanted to transfer us into disciples. There's two parts to that. We don't want to just live in the part of being saved and salvation, which is amazing and everyone needs that. We need to live it out through being his disciple. And that's the action part, the way of life. So the next three parts of the uh, discipline life are about your actions. And the first one, second one, so first one is our story, second one is our habits. Um, in place of habits, we need to practice. So countering the habits that we have in our life takes practice and I'm going to give you some examples of that. It's one of those things, you know, the discipline life, there's responsibility on God's part and there's also a responsibility and a role that you and I have to play to to move forward in our lives but we don't need to practice to earn his love we already have his love but we have the responsibility to partner with him as his apprentice um, and in in being disciples and the example that comes to mind I'm just going to honor Isaac where's Isaac here Um, so I think of I think about an example of practice and Isaac comes to mind so he, didn't, uh, he doesn't play the, um, the piano to earn God's love. He already ha- already has the love of Jesus. Um, but there's a responsibility on Isaac um, to, to practice. And in fact, he's had 18 years of practice, 18 years to be. So he doesn't just riff off from Son of Suffering to Cornerstone to House of the Lord, you know, because he tries hard. He's got a foundation of practising. And this is what we need to be apprentices of Jesus. It's a lifetime of practice. So one one practical way to do that in your own life is to think about... So we're talking about habits. We want to exchange habits for practice. And one way to do that is through thinking about the rhythms, the routines, the rituals that make up your day, your week, your life. Think about your habits your schedule, how you spend your weekend, how you spend your work days, your relationship to your phone, and write them out. So at the end of the day, write out your habits and the things that you do on a regular basis. And then think about what these habits are doing to your heart. What connections do you find between your habits and your heart? So the next step then, once you've done that, is to take a habit and cut it out and replace it with the practice and see what it does to your heart. And I'll give you an example. A um, little bit of self-disclosure, but um, so on the days that I, didn't, I don't go running, um, I usually sleep in until the very last minute, rush around. Kiara and I get to school at 8.59. There's probably a few harsh words said in the, in the meantime. How many times do I have to tell you to put on your shoes? Um, And so we decided to try and replace that habit, which wasn't good for anyone, with a practice. So the first thing we did was um, we got up 15 minutes early, we got to school 15 minutes early, parked the car, and we went for a little walk together. And she'd pick up feathers and I'd pick up... She'd pick up feathers and flowers and rocks, big rocks. I'm like, I'm not taking that. You've got to ditch it when she's not looking. Um, And... um, and then we'd chat and then we'd get our school bag and she'd go to school at, you know, at the right time. And so I could tell. So on the days that we didn't do it, she'd say, mum, we're going for a walk this morning. So I knew that there was this connection and this investment in my family that I was making. Anyway, so then, uh, then we started to expand it. So we adjusted it so that we, um, we got up and at seven o'clock we went for a, I went for a walk and she went for a scooter ride. And we had half an hour um, uh, just around the around the suburb. And um, the first three times we got swooped by magpies. <laughs> so when you're trying to change a habit to a practice, there might be some obstacles. But I, I just thought to myself, we are not going to be stifled by these magpies. We're going to embrace the magpies. I even wrote on Strava, embracing magpies. Um, and, uh, and then one day I said to her... Um, Kiara, at the end of the day, I said, what's, the, what's your favourite part of your day? And she, all she did was this. <laughs> and do we want to be rushed or do we want to invest in your family? you know. We've got, to, we've got to think about what practices we're bringing to life in our lives. And Psalm 90, 90, 12 in the NIV says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So... We have to be intentional in countering our habits with practice. That's the second one. The third one is our relationships. And in place of relationships, we need community. We can't follow Jesus alone. Becoming a disciple happens in the context of community. Making a decision to follow Jesus alongside others provides two things. Exposure and encouragement. And we have an amazing connect group and... I know we always talk about how good connect groups are, but, you know, we have people with incredible testimonies. We have people that are willing to be honest and practise the, disi- the disciplined life in community. And we talk about our struggles. It's almost like squeezing a sponge um, and seeing what comes out in a safe environment. <laughs> it's kind of what it's like. Um, and it gives you multiples. If you're feeling stuck... Being in community gives you a different perspective. And even this morning when we had um, prayer before the service, I was amazed at the richness of how we, we, we prayed, how, what people bought because of their own unique relationship with God. And that can help us in our own walk when we're living in community. So if you don't have somebody that randomly texts you to say, I'm praying for you this week. This is a sermon you should listen to. This is a song that I think will help you. Then you need to find some community. Um, some people that you can be in relationship with in community. So number three is relationships. In, in place of relationships, we need community. And the final one is our environment. So in place of our environment, we need the Holy Spirit. We lived through a COVID pandemic, but we still live in an epidemic of distraction. A survey of Microsoft, from Microsoft, found that 77% of young adults answered yes when asked when nothing else is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. I think now that I'm a parent, I'm like, the, pe- the phone also needs to be parented. Um, <laughs> it's another thing that needs to be parented. Um, pretty much the only place that we can be alone with our thoughts anymore is in the shower. And I'm assuming that in the matter of time, we'll have um, the phones that are also waterproof. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit needs to be our dominant focus... And the first and primary way we experience life on planet Earth every single day. And that reminds me of the, the Lord's Prayer. And um, it's recorded in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. And it's about how being a disciple, um, it, it fits with what Joel said actually in that, in that new song, about being humble and recognising on a daily basis our need for him. Yeah. And it says, give us this day our daily bread. You can't store up loaves in the freezer on this one. You need him fresh daily. Yeah. Who prefers prefers frozen bread over fresh bread anyway? Three meals ancient grain sourdough is my. I know, Annika, you, if you know, you know. <laughs> um but when Jesus is talking about the bread of life, he's not he wasn't imploring us to use his the Lord's Prayer as a rigid ritual. He in John 6.35 it says um, when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, I can satisfy your deepest need and longing on a daily basis. Um, and, and, and how did that work in practice? Well, Jesus invested time and he prioritised time with his father. And this is the last point. So in Matthew 3, it tells the story of when Jesus got baptised. He came out of the water and this was really the launch pad for his time um, being sent out into the world And you'll notice if you read that passage that the first thing Jesus did after he was baptised was he headed straight into the desert. And the Greek translation for desert is solitary place, quiet place, desolate place. And what we see all through Jesus' life is that he shows this pattern of retreat and return. He would retreat into solitude to get away from the noise and stimulation to hear his father's voice. I know people in this room, I know know you've been there, I know when you've spent time with Jesus in solitude, finding him, searching out his voice. I know know it makes you better. And we've got to prioritise time to hear our Father's voice. And he, Jesus, toggled back and forth between solitude and community, solitude and community. And they're the twin pillars of the disciplined life. So, in place of the Holy Spirit, in place of the environment, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need to go to places to meet Him one on one, outside of all the distractions. So, how do we pursue the disciplined life? By being apprentices of Jesus in our stories, in our habits, in our relationships, and in our environment. There's no quick fix. You can't microwave character or instant message Christ-likeness. It's not a one- or two-year project. It's not even a decade. It's a lifetime. It happens over time like growing a tree. And I just wanted to read this, this passage from Philippians to summarise these points because um, it's so encouraging about the journey that we're on, about how we can live a disciplined life. Philippians 3.12 uh, 3, to 21 in the message. It says, I'm not saying that I have this altogether, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, because I'm, I'm learning to live the disciplined life. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning, beckoning us forward to Jesus. I'm often running and I'm not turning back. And the second part says, so let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have anything else in mind, stories, habits, ways that we need to change, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision and you'll see it yet. Now that we're on track, let's stay on track through turning our habits to practices. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course. Live in community, it's telling us. Headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go with them. I've warned you of them many times and sadly I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross, but easy street is a dead end street. And then it goes on to say, There is far more for us in this life. We're citizens of high heaven. We've got the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We're waiting the arrival of the Saviour, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will tra- transform our earthly bodies into glorious body- bodies like His. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which He is putting everything as it should be under and around Him. Amen. So it's about turning our stories into the word, turning our habits into practices, our relationships into community and in an environment that is first and foremost uh, lived in relationship with our heavenly father. So every day you're becoming someone and we have to ask ourselves, who, who am I becoming? Is, is living the disciplined life possible? It, it sure is, it's absolutely possible, but it's not inevitable. <laughs> And it won't just happen if you come to church on Sunday, read a verse every now and again and boom your mother Teresa. It, it, takes, um, it takes us to invest in, in our stories, our habits, our relationships and our environment. But first by starting to be a disciple, to then be able to live the disciplined life. And just to close, the disciplined life as, as a summary starting point for our, our, our month this, this, um, on this topic It's not about rules. It's first and foremost about being a disciple. And that's our starting point for living the disciplined life. And he wants good things for us. Um, And so let's pursue him in our practices, in our community, um, and and move towards where he wants us to be. So we might just pray and then I'll, I'll hand over to Pastor John. Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. As I said, Lord, what an honour, Lord, to be with you today, Lord. Lord, we just we just ask for you to help us to um, change the small things, Lord, the small things that have a big impact. Lord, we ask for support to find a verse, Lord, a verse that resonates with our hearts, Lord, that helps us to see you more clearly. Lord, we ask you to help us to invest in the community, Lord, of people that will help expose the things that need to be worked on and encourage us towards the goal, um, Lord, of imitating you and being more like you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Father, Lord, that you just show us the habits. Lord, this week, show us a habit, Lord, that you want us to work on, Lord, and give us wisdom to work out how to change it into a practice, Lord, a practice that can evolve, that can give us more of you, Lord, and more of a focus on you and help us to be more like you. Lord, and we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you help us to find times of solitude, Lord, times to be with the Father, to, to know you more, Lord Father, as the foundation of our now and our future and the hope that you give us, Lord. We just ask in all of these things, Lord, we, we ask for your wisdom and your guidance. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your hope and thank you for the, the weekend, the sunshine, the spring. We love you and we, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, Amen.